0: In times of darkness, bring your light. In times of fear, clear my sight. Mighty goddess, stand with me to give me courage to fight the fight. For peace I pray and strength to stand. For what is right, which will demand a courage so deep, I fear I'll fail. But with your help, I will prevail. Guardian goddess prayer. When we know what's right but feel unprepared for the fight. A goddess whose influence includes strength, truth, and power can be our best ally. Don't be afraid to ask for help. This is from a book called Goddess Magic, a handbook of spells, charms, and rituals divine in origin by Aurora Kane. I want to jump right in with my opinion and tell you that adoption is a horrible practice that we need to be so careful with in our society, but we've been conditioned for so many decades now to believe that adoption is such a noble thing and that children who are taken from their families are only taken when it's necessary, and that those families failed their children either by abuse or neglect, so they don't deserve to have their children anymore. We also tend to believe that adoptive families are loving and kind and have a lot more to offer children, and as I've learned more about the real-life practice of adoption, I've learned how evil it actually is. And I think the reason it's painted in such a positive light is the same reason why we initially think that missionaries are good people. They're going in, they're offering resources to what we consider underserved populations, and they're spreading the good news of their faith. But we get to learn the reality of that, which is that a lot of these missionaries go in and do extreme harm to communities, both in the form of, of physically and sexually exploiting people and also destroying their cultural practices and beliefs either by outlawing them or by, in other sinister ways, convincing people not to continue with their ancestral practices. In this episode, I want to talk about a woman named Georgia Tan because I think this might help you understand the culture of adoption in America. And keep in mind as I tell you about this woman that she was never prosecuted for the horrendous things she did. And in fact, a lot of the things she did weren't even illegal. We didn't have laws that said you couldn't sell children. And the laws that we have now surrounding closed adoptions and making it really difficult for adoptees to figure out where they come from and for people who gave their children up for adoption or people who had their children stolen, it's hard for them to figure out where their children are today. So I'm going to tell you about Georgia Tan, but as I speak about her, I want you to think about James Andrew Jarvis. He's a child welfare specialist at Oklahoma Department of Human Services, and he is the supervisor of the caseworker on Amanda Molinax's DHS case. This man is pure evil. He brags online about being part of a union where adoption is their goal. So we know that DHS is taking children that they claim are being abused or neglected, and this man has the goal of adoption. His goal is not family reunification. His goal is not to support families to prevent them losing their children in the first place. His goal is to have enough children to adopt out to other people. I believe there must be some financial incentive For this, but obviously that information is going to be very difficult to find. Even when I tell you some information about Georgia Tan, you're going to see it's understood that there was a network of social workers, judges, police officers who were all complicit in this. And I believe this same thing is still happening today. And people like Georgia Tan and others like James Andrew Jarvis from Oklahoma DHS, I believe all of these. Child Protective Services today are operating in the same way that Georgia Tan did several decades ago. This woman, Bayula George or Georgia Tan, she was born in 1891 and she died in 1950. She was an American child trafficker who operated the Tennessee Children's Home Society. That was an adoption agency in Memphis, Tennessee. But this adoption agency was basically just an un Licensed home that was used as a front for her black market baby adoption scheme. And this took place around the 1920s. So young children were kidnapped and then sold to wealthy families. They were abused and some of them were even Murdered In 1950, there was an investigation into her institution, and they actually decided to close it because of the numerous instances of adoption fraud. And then this disgusting bitch died of cancer before the investigation was completed. Prior to her being prosecuted for her countless crimes, she died of cancer. The sad thing, though, is this woman, Georgia Tan, she had a custom of placing children with influential members of society. And she was able to normalize adoption in the United States. And many of her adoption policies have become standard practice. But these disgusting policies were designed to obfuscate the origin of her adoptees. She didn't want people to be able to figure out where these babies actually came from. And I believe that that mimics the practice of today, terminating parental rights. If you terminate parental rights, that person no longer has the legal right to have any real connection to their child. And that is inhumane. I think it's one thing to remove a child for safety reasons, but when you take that additional step of cutting them off from their biological roots, I believe that's when it becomes harmful to the child and also harmful to the parents because some cases of neglect aren't even really neglect. They're just poverty. And these state institutions, institutions use poverty as an excuse to steal people's children. And in those cases, if you really want to help, I just don't see how stealing the children and severing all ties is helpful in any way. It's adding insult to injury. You're injuring them by removing them from their family when they are already in a needy situation if poverty is the problem. And then you're adding insult to that injury by severing all ties and making it completely impossible possible for that family to ever reunify and rebuild. There are so many details I could share about Georgia Tan's life. The fact that she was a lesbian in a long-term relationship with a woman, she adopted at least one child. When you think of the movie Mommy Dearest, you know that's based on real life events, the children in that movie were actually adopted from Georgia Tan's adoption agency. They were adopted by Joan Crawford. That's a whole other story. Joan Crawford actually adopted four children and it seems like the first two children were treated horribly and then the other two children maybe didn't have it as bad because they grew up mostly in boarding schools or something like that. This is a rabbit hole that you can go down. I just want you to keep in mind that a lot of this stuff was happening less than a 100 years ago and it continues to happen today. Today, when these things are happening, We just disguise it differently. But the reason we need an Indian Child Welfare Act is because of the huge numbers of Native American children who were literally stolen from their families, either by adoption agencies like Georgia Tans that were able to operate unlicensed and unchecked, or by the state. A lot of these children were put into religious residential institutions. I believe this practice of stealing poor children and blaming the parents for their own poverty is continuing. And we have to do something about it. If we don't stop them from taking children, if we allow them to just completely violate the Indian Child Welfare Act, they're going to continue to do even more, even worse things. I feel strongly that we have to make sure the Indian Child Welfare Act is enforced and there have to be severe consequences for violating it. And then we have to make sure that the protections that Native Americans get from the Indian Child Welfare Act are extended to every other group in America. All families should be protected in the same way that the Indian Child Welfare Act protects Native American families. We need to stop this disgusting practice of stealing children and selling them for a profit. We call it adoption, but we know what it really is. I can think of a couple of personal stories that I want to share. Three. One, when when I was a baby, a woman wanted to steal me from my mother because my mother gave birth to me when she was still just 19 years old. She was almost 20, but she was a young immigrant who had a baby here in America when her family really wanted her to come here and work and try to improve their financial status. But my mother chose to not have an abortion. She chose to have me instead, and she tried to work as much as she could, and she would take me to work with her. She was a personal care attendant for a disabled man. And his wife wanted to steal me. And the husband actually told my mother what the wife was up to. And he told her, you better leave. You better never come back or she's going to steal your baby and take her to England. I was the baby that was going to be stolen and taken to England. So my mother quit that job and never went back. That is so scary. So scary. Another story, I know someone, a man who who was adopted as a baby. I asked him if he ever wanted to meet his birth mom and he said no, but the impression I got was that he did want to know his birth mom, but he knew that it would upset his adoptive mom. Because of his loyalty to his adoptive mom, he chose to never even look for his birth mom. This is a white man who lives in Maine and I often wonder if he wasn't the result of some kind of kidnapping napping or something like that. So the last adoption story I want to tell is that I used to be a nanny for a lot of different families and there was this one family who lived in Boston, like in the expensive part of Boston we call Back Bay, and I was working for them but it seemed a little strange because they had just adopted the baby and the mom was actually a stay-at-home mom so it seemed kind of weird like why she needed a nanny and I think she was just trying trying to cover all of her bases and make sure that like it didn't get overwhelming or whatever. She was honestly one of the nicest people I've ever met and the dad too, they were wonderful people. You could tell they were like very well off financially and I remember kind of talking a little about the adoption. I wish I could remember more of the conversation but the thing that stands out in my head is when she said, you know, I just wrote the check and decided not to think about it. The impression I got from that was that she felt very guilty because she knew that there was something wrong about paying for a baby, which is what she had done. She had literally paid for a baby. And I have so many questions like, where did they get this baby? And who is the mother? And did the mother give the child up willingly? I know I said I was only going to tell three stories, but this last one isn't really a story. It's a family that's online and their YouTube and TikTok and all of that is happily Evans after. And they are an example of an adoption story that just looks really happy. It's an open adoption, so the biological mom still gets to see the little boy, and it just seems like a really, you know, the way that we would want adoption to go. Everybody just seems very happy with it. The little boy seems really loved, and it just seems like a great story. And honestly, when I first stumbled upon their social media, I was super skeptical and critical, because on the surface, you see this white couple with this little black boy, and I immediately thought, who did they steal that baby from? And that just wasn't the case at all. So try not to be too judgmental, but I think it is important to be skeptical and read between the lines and make sure that we are standing up for the people in our society who are less able to stand up for themselves. So I am fighting hard to end this practice of the state just swooping in and trying to terminate the rights of of parents and keeping their children away from them and the state blatantly violating laws that are put in place to protect children and families. So that's what I feel we need to stand up for. But in doing so, just be mindful that there are some situations where adoption works for everybody involved. Okay, I need to briefly mention something here. It's concerning that they are making all of these distinctions. They're making a distinction between child selling, child slavery, child trafficking, child laundering. Honestly, it's all exploitation. So in this case, child selling is not viewed as illegal. They say this article is about selling mainly for non-exploitative adoption. I don't think that makes any sense. How can you call it non-exploitative when you're selling children? I think even if everybody agrees that the selling is okay, the child can't agree to that. The child can't say, yes, I'd like to be sold. So there is still some inherent wrong there. We are still, I'm gonna stop. I'm going to stop ranting and I'm just going to read the article. So this article is about selling mainly for non-exploitative adoption. For selling exploitation, see trafficking of children. For sale as part of ongoing slavery, see child slavery. For the illegal acquisition of children by purchase or otherwise, see child laundering. Not to be confused with child labor, marketing directed at children, or children selling products as small activity, such as a lemonade stand. Stand. The fact that they would even throw lemonade stands in with the selling of actual children is f- fucking ridiculous. Children selling lemonade does not belong anywhere near a category of selling the actual children. Anyway, I'm clearly furious and I'm trying to remain calm, but child selling is the practice of selling children usually by parents, legal guardians, or subsequent custodians, including adoption agencies, orphanages, and mother and baby homes. I need to include here that subsequent custodians Custodians almost always refers to when the state. Takes custody of your kid. So they're talking about the state, and I mean every single state in the United States. The practice of child selling or selling children is usually done by the people who are responsible for the care and custody of the children. So this would be parents, legal guardians, the state when they take custody, adoption agencies, orphanages, you know, those noble cause agencies that are only there to help mothers and babies or help children who don't have parents. They're all full of it. But in this article, they're claiming that the subsequent relationship after the child is sold under these sort of situations, that subsequent relationship is essentially non-exploitative. They're saying that in these cases, the purpose of the child selling is usually just to permit adoption. And I'm saying they're still doing something nefarious. This, article speaks about a few other countries, but I'm going to skip over to the United States. And this is a Wikipedia article. I have checked out some of the resources that they reference, that they get the information from. If you choose not to believe this information, that's fine. It's pretty horrifying, and I wish it was not true, but it is true. And like I've already mentioned, this woman, Georgia Tan, is very responsible for the way we handle adoption today in America. So They basically speak about her when they talk about child selling. So I'm just going to read through a little bit of this. Georgia Tan of Memphis, Tennessee, was employed by the Tennessee Children's Home Society. According to a reporter, Georgia Tan stole thousands of children and sold at least 5,000 of them between 1924 and 1950. Most or all of these children were white. The children were adopted by families in exchange for substantial fees so Georgia tan would say that these fees were for transportation and hotels and stuff like that but she would often charge multiple times for a single trip and then she would also have the people pay her directly like write the checks to her name instead of the Tennessee children's home society she processed adoptions without investigating adoptive parents she really only cared about how much money they had the amounts that she charged for adoptions ranged from about seven $700 up to like $10,000, and there were reputable, quote-unquote, reputable agencies at the time that charged almost nothing. But Georgia Tan actually tried to call other people out in a 1944 speech. She accused other people of unlicensed adoption placements, but she did not admit that she was actually selling children herself. According to that reporter, whose name is Barbara Byzance raymond Georgia Tan made adoption socially acceptable. And this is because prior to that, when the first U.S. state adoption law was passed in 1851, adoption was not immediately popular. Early in the 20th century, adoption was pretty rare. So children were usually taken from low-income birth parents, and these birth parents were generally considered genetically inferior. And their children, even though they were considered adoptable, they were considered genetically tainted. So before Georgia work became popular, a lot of these children that came from low-income birth parents and they were given away basically, they weren't really considered adopted. They were considered indentured and the people who took on the responsibility of these children were supposed to provide them with education and land, but that rule was almost never enforced. There was something called the Orphan Train Project, which gathered up children and sent them to farms that needed labor. They actually used a procedure that was similar to the slave auction. And then some children's custody was changed through secretive means. And this would be like between sets of parents where sometimes it was done willingly and sometimes not. There were baby farms where lots of children were murdered or sold. They sold children for up to $100 each. Around 1955, 1956, there were attempts to pass U.S. federal legislation to ban baby selling, but it failed. And I want you to think about why legislation like that might have failed. My opinion is that there's lots of money to be made, and the people who want the babies are the people in positions of power, where the people who are having their babies stolen tend to be poor and uneducated. I also want to point out though that some people will unwittingly get involved in this disgusting baby selling scheme not realizing that that's what it is and I know I hear a lot of like quote-unquote benevolent organizations like Christians and things like that who will really advocate hard for adoption and for like sponsoring children overseas and stuff like that and it's generally they feel like they're doing a good thing. They feel like they are helping these children by providing them with a better home, but a lot of that is just culturally insensitive. They're not really looking at how harmful it is to take a child away from an otherwise loving home just because you feel that you can provide them with more resources. I'm bringing this up just as an example, not because I have any negative feelings towards this person. I think she is likely a very good person. But there seems to be some controversy surrounding the adoption of one of Angelina Jolie's children. So here they're talking about the issue of Cambodian children being adopted to the United States. In 1997 to 2001, someone named Lauren Galindo made $8 million by arranging 800 adoptions of Cambodian children by unwitting Americans. One of these people being Angelina Jolie so this woman Lauren Galindo would use baby buyers like taxi drivers and orphan managers and they would offer low-income mothers money or rice for their children and then Lauren Galindo would claim that these children were orphans and then the adopting families would pay about eleven thousand dollars in fees to Lauren Galindo while galindo was saying that she intended to save the children from desperate circumstances and that she felt she acted with the highest integrity, but she was convicted in the United States and sentenced to a year and a half in prison. Can you believe that? A year and a half for stealing a hundred babies. Oh wait, 800. This disgusting, disgusting person was only sentenced to a year and a half in prison and she stole 800 babies. The point I'm trying to make here is that our government really doesn't give a shit. And if we don't stand up and start making a really big stink about this, they are going to continue to steal children from marginalized people. These people don't care about federal laws that pass like ICWA because they know that if they violate the law, there will be no consequences for them. So if we as the public don't make their consequences pretty serious and severe, they will continue to do this. So what can we do as a public to deter these people from doing this? Well, for one, we can fight harder for legislation that will actually criminalize this activity and have harsh consequences for violating the laws. And then we can actually show up. When we know that people's children are being taken unlawfully or unjustly, we can actually show up and prevent it. Stand in the way. Don't let them take the children. Take the children back from them. That's what we need to do. And then we need to come out in numbers and stand by this. Because if we don't protect our families, they will continue to be dismantled. There's a reason why spiritual practices that we label as witchcraft or alternative spirituality have been ostracized and demonized. They've gotten away with it because they steal the children of the people who disagree with them. We need to stop them. Step proudly into this sacred space we call the goddess realm. Goddess of many names, thank you for this pathway to the divine. As you stand before the goddess warriors ready to awaken your power, may you one day be able to relinquish your sword and your shield. May you stand in your own truth. May you know that you are worthy. You deserve happiness, laughter, and pleasure. You deserve to feel good in your skin. May you have the power to protect those who need protecting. May you exist on the side of justice. May you be vulnerable enough to believe in you. May you realize your own power. This is the true victory. May these blessings be with you always. Let the circle be unbroken and infinite. You are your pathway to the divine. May the goddesses who summoned you protect you. This is from the Temple of Warriors, your power energy channel. say. This comes from African Goddess Initiation Sacred Rituals for Self Love, Prosperity, and Joy by Abiola Abrams. This is a book that I will continue to. Hide highly recommend Oya. Oh, yeah. Atete, Sekmet Asase, Ya'a, etc. You now stand in an elevated circle of warriors who are here to guide you in elevating your power. Sit in the center and take in their wisdom. They each have gifts for you. Warrior goddess energy is all about standing confidently in your true power. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen. I was going to share more information about Georgia Tan, but honestly, she disgusts me so much. There's lots of YouTube videos and other information out there about her disgusting life. So if you want to learn more about her, you can just look her up. But thank you very much for taking the time to listen to Path of a Green Witch podcast.